are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everyone. Hi. This is Chris Seals and across the table from me is... Wayne Randolph. Um, and when we combine our powers, we form <laughs> Captain Planet or <laughs> Confessions Wonder of a powers. High School Bible teacher. Yeah. How are you feeling, Wayne? I'm very excited about break. Yeah. I, I, I'm tired. How are you feeling? Pretty good. Um, those of you who are not Christian school teachers, um, sucks to not have a spring break. Sorry, guys. Dude, I'm in my 40s, and I'm still on the academic calendar. I get two months <laughs> off. Sometimes when I complain about how much money I make, all my friends like roll their eyes and want to smack me because we get, I don't know, about three months off a year. Yeah. It's not too bad. To study the Bible. Three months to study the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, hey, Wayne. What's up? When you were in Presbyterian church growing up, did you have Sunday school? I did have Sunday school. Tell me about Sunday school. Um, Sunday school um, consisted usually of some really cute songs mm-hmm. and some cute stories with cute Jesus on a cute felt board. Was and it like an actual felt Jesus? It was. That's nice. Yeah. And he, as you can imagine, was Anglo-Saxon and... You know, had nice cheekbones. And well, I've seen his pictures, so yeah. I'm pretty sure that yeah. is historically accurate. He's been floating around on, on Facebook. Yes. Um, and we, man, believe it or not, actually in Sunday school, we also learned the Westminster Confession of Faith. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we learned parts of it and memorized it. And, hmm. Yeah. My Sunday school experience was mostly puppets. You weren't you were Presbyterian. I was Baptist you growing up. up. You grew up Baptist. Right? I grew up kind of nothing until fifth grade. I went to Catholic church a couple of times, oh, right on. but I didn't really know anything. I recall one of it, one time when I dipped my hand in the holy water um, and put it in my mouth because I thought that that's what water was for. Um, but the people I was with, which wasn't my parents, it was, <laughs> I went with my neighbors one time. Nice. And, they um, freak out? They were not pleased. Yeah. Yeah. But then in fifth grade, I went to Baptist church where I was introduced to Sunday school, which... I couldn't tell the difference between Sunday school and church, really. I know puppets huh. were part of it. I knew there was... We didn't have flannel graph. There was a, there was a felt board, but they just put pictures of Jesus on it and talked about it. Yeah, you had new technology. I'm a little bit older than you. Yeah, pictures. Yeah. It's very new. It's wild. Um, did you know that the original Sunday schools were actually schools? No way. Yeah, right? So, like, I did when, not know that. It's cool. <laughs> when, you, uh, when you were talking about the Westminster Confession of Faith, I'm like, oh, that's probably kind of like close to what early... Sunday schools were like um, it was a it was an invention of the Anglican Church during the in- Industrial Revolution, and so since kids worked six days a week in the factories, um, the churches said, "Well, this isn't good, and they need to be educated." And so on Sundays they would have Sunday school where they would learn reading and writing and grammar. Um, That's really cool. And naturally, it was through like the reading through of, the scripture. of scripture, yeah, yeah, and through learning theology. But the original Sunday school actually kind of was school, but now it's puppets. I like it. Yeah. Um, unless you go to William Lane Craig's Sunday school class, which it's school again. Always school. Always school. Um, I love yeah. William Lane Craig, but yeah. not to knock his school. He's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, the reason I bring this up um, is because originally um, a church had some crossover into the schooling world. Um, but as, as educators in the Christian school um, scene, it sort of seems like, there's a lot of bleed over the opposite direction now, especially mm. from Christian schools. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking if Sunday school is a place w- was originally a place where the church got to educate kids in reading and writing, um, 
when you are a Bible teacher in a Christian school, then you get to theologize and work on the hearts of kids and do spiritual formation during the week. It's like the opposite, the anti-Sunday school, right? Yeah. Um, and so... So what do we do with Sundays? <laughs> exactly. Is that right? kind of where we're going with yeah. that? And yeah. I mean, from conversations we've had in the past, it seems like the answer that most students have to what do we do with Sundays is sleep or yeah. do homework. Yeah, football. Yeah. I, I was just talking to a student today, and I asked where they go to church, um, and she said, oh, I go to, I go to church um, nearby, um, but I, I don't really go to the services. I just volunteer and help out in the nursery, or I don't remember exactly what capacity she helped in. And I, I asked the question, well, where do you get fed? Like, where do you get spiritual nourishment and connection and stuff? And she said, oh, that's what I do here mm. at school. Mm. Um, and so have you, have you experienced a lot of that same reality yeah. with your students? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually the school I was at before, before here, um, it, it actually became an issue, um, Mm. where, um, unbeknownst to us and, and unintentionally, we found out that, that some view the relationship between the Christian school and, and the, the corner community church, uh, some view it as a competitive market. Mm. Um, and yeah, it wasn't something that was really even on my radar, um, I think, I don't know if I necessarily have a tendency to compartmentalize things like that. And so I kind of just saw us as like an extension of the other. Right. Um, or even when, you know, we've worked together in the past, like a, a parachurch organization, like it's it's something, uh, you know, another organization or entity that is in essence kind of filling in the gap right. for yeah. the Sunday church. Right. And parachurch meaning uh, alongside the church, sort of like parables, right? And so right. Oh. if we have to have... If we have to have organizi- organizations that are alongside the church um, to do the things that the church is supposed to be doing, um, then it it conundrum. does raise yeah it is a conundrum right yeah. like um, should these organizations exist should our should our school exist right mm. um, I know that's well I hope it exists I like my job yeah, <laughs> I like good job. like feeding my family <laughs> yeah. you know um, I know when when we were working at a, one of the parachurch organizations. Um, that was a discussion often, right? Was like if if we're coming alongside the church to fill in a gap that they have, then the parachurch organization, whatever it may mm. be, can fill in that gap for a little bit until it's filled in, and then the church should be kind of good. And yet, at least the tension we witnessed there was we we kind of did more of the business model. Right. So once you've established a parachurch organization, now it's about growing and sustainability, and so that we can continue to exist. And um, along with that comes positive, but also negative. Um, unintended consequences. Right. And I mean, that may, hopefully I'm not saying something that's new or too controversial, but that that's not much different than a lot of the churches um, that exist in the world, that the parachurch organizations function as businesses under 501c3 um, or whatever nonprofit exempt status they have. Um, but so do churches. Churches exist under a 501c3 and they have annual budget yeah. meetings and there's like and forecasts and there's debt ratios. And, and they can go bankrupt right churches can go <laughs> bankrupt um so peculiar like and, and, in terms of the early model we got yeah and, and even what you were saying earlier about the conversation between the school and the local churches is the, the even the idea of competition mm. is a that's a business that's yeah a, it's, that's a business term it, right yeah the the church if we have competing forces the church is existing in a capitalistic system against itself and when i say against itself 
Um, I can't capitalize my spoken voice, but <laughs> when I say the church in this sense, I'm talking about the universal church, the, yeah. the, the bride of Christ, um, that if, if the bride of Christ is competing with each other, um, then... That's a schizophrenic bride. Yeah, exactly. Right, and, and mm. I'm not trying to make a statement about capitalism or about markets and Oh, I will. And if, you want me, if you want me to, I'll go yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I, because I do think that when, when it comes to like the economic system, there's that's a whole new world that we can right. explore. But right. I, I do think it's a little strange that the same vocabulary mm. exists within the church, um, specifically the adversarial vocabulary, right? Yeah, there's... Um, you remember... Um, Oh, Erwin McManus. He he was the founder of the Mosaic mm-hmm. churches, and I, I think he's still affiliated with them. And he wrote a book on the church called Unstoppable Force. I mean, mm-hmm. this is probably maybe twenty years old now, fifteen years old. But um, I didn't read the whole book, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> like normal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the beginning, though, he said that, and I, I just love this statement. He said the church went from being an organism to an organization. Mm. And as a result, we are dealing with organizational problems. Right. And that, man, that resonates. Yeah. You know, I probably should go dust that off and, and read the rest of his conclusions. But, um, yeah, it seems like like by importing or, or some of those ideas or by aligning ourselves maybe to the, the markets around us, we've, we have imported into the church mm-hmm. problems from that, which is, um, man, it seems counterintuitive when the, the church, by design, uh, the early church seemed to be a... a a counter narrative, right? A, a, a different yeah. way of doing society. So what a, you know, when that started, you know, when Sunday school started, you know, when that started? <laughs> no, I, I don't. And I think that that's what's even, even in the, the way that the conversation often is framed. Like when I think about students and them talking about different opportunities, it's framed in such a way that it's consumer, it's, it's consumer vocabulary, right? Like mm-hmm. which mission trips do you offer? What, bands you offer what right. ministry opportunities do you offer what um even the idea of what these do you offer right we we're marketing ourselves to be a marketable good christian school right. um and even churches it's the same thing like what children's ministry things do you offer for our right. kids right um and so and we're not saying those things are bad right right i mean like, like mm-hmm. you want to know those things if i'm going to go to a church right but like um, but when that is our vocabulary it, right. it, it shouldn't it be surprising it, it shouldn't be surprising that words like competition um, start to surface, right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah the, that you can lead a conversation with that word, right? Exactly, and and I think that that is maybe what's at, like, I was going to say at the core, but that's probably pretentious <laughs> for me to say. I know what's at the heart of um, this thing that we're talking Anecdotally. about. Anecdotally, yeah, but it, it does seem that that's sort of we. So, if a Christian school offers a missions trip and a church offers a missions trip, then a person has to make a decision of which one they're going to get involved in. And Hmm. it's not just a, oh, great, choose which thing resonates the most with you and will do the most good for the kingdom of God. But if I participate in mission trip A and don't participate in mission trip B, I'm affecting the bottom line of mission trip B, right? Wow, yeah. And so just... What a bummer. Yeah, it's kind of... And we, we know these are really unintended consequences, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if this was all intentional, we would be having a talk about how diabolical the church is or something. Right. But yeah, so what do, what do we do? Yeah, well, I, what, I, I guess we're going to explore the tension. Yeah, maybe, maybe taking a step back, what, What's the what even is the church? Yeah. Right? Like I think that that's where, I think that's where we have to start. When you think of church, what do you think of? 
Do you go to church? I do. How often? Like three times a week. Wow. Is that the norm in your peer group? No. Do you see any sort of difference between uh, the church and um, Christian school, the school that we go to? Um, I think at the school, there's almost a, a greater sense of the learning aspect of it and like being fed and um, church provides for some the community however I do think they could do potentially a better job because like you also get the community aspect from school and like being around the same people constantly um, and just the environment of the way you do things like sermon and worship and small groups and that kind of thing compared to like school has Bible class and chapel plus everything else that school has to offer. Yes I do go to church uh, I started I started attending for about a month now before then uh, never never really attended regularly just you know uh, every few months or on Easter or something yeah being in Christian uh, Christian school my whole life I I kind of saw it as like like that was like if there was a camp of Christian <laughs> camp for Christians that's that's where it would be for me and like church like whenever I did go to church at that point and still kind of when I go now it's like it's it's a like special event for like you know when I can be especially meditative that makes sense like where I like where I really focus in at least in Christian education like at the school that's that's that that was my community that's where that's where I live that's where I breathe that's a, that's where I did the Christian thing that, that that's how where I walked the walk and I suppose church became the place where I learned how to do it awesome so in a one-sentence answer what is church sad to say I, I don't know maybe this part of my growth but the building where I learned stuff in so let me start with you because I might we might disagree for once maybe I don't know let's go so what is the church? Yeah, I, and we, just so you know, Wayne and I usually do talk a little bit about these things, but sometimes, I mean, most of the time, this is our first conversation that we've had about this. Um, but yeah, earlier you made mention to uh, um, maybe deferring to the churches in some way. Um, yeah, or so, that we're not the church right, as, yeah. a, as the school. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, so um, the church, you know, we can use the traditional language and stuff, like the church is the bride of Christ. Um, mm. Um, seems seems pretty logical to me that the the high priest of heaven uh, would come down and establish his his church. So he's kind of the first missionary and mm-hmm. uh, establishes his church. It often gets referred to as the bride, um, and the church is is um, I think kind of in line with uh, the the people of Israel. Like mm-hmm. Paul talks a lot about being adopted into that line. Um, we are called uh, as as a body, a community of believers, to uh, point people in the direction of Christ, reflect who he is, offer an alternative way of living, um, and at the core, uh, you know, to, to follow not only the teachings of Jesus, but to to be, um, you know, go through that sanctification process, um, mm-hmm. kind of leading us up to the end of the story, which is, you know, one day we're, we're all going to, we're all going to see him, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it kind of seems like that's, so we're, we're the, the tool he uses to, to move that story forward. Got it. Um, and, yeah. And so what, I guess so. Then the question is, what shape does that tool, yeah, take? Yeah, right? and so I'm, I'm even, you know, on the spot rethinking my statement about the school is not the church. Yeah. Um, maybe a, a more accurate statement I can say is that the, the school is not the traditional church, right? And so maybe, yeah. maybe even this discussion, we're, we're 
going to, I don't want to say redefine, but maybe reevaluate uh, what that means. Right. Um, and so maybe that's it. So um, my simple statement, gosh, I'm long-winded. My simple <laughs> statement is uh, the, the, the church is um, the body of believers. And mm-hmm. when we all come together, we, we, when we're working correctly, yeah, <laughs> like a lot of the the letters, the epistles, uh, you know, kind of correct us to do. When we work correctly, we act as one body with with many members. Right, and and this is an area where I do have I have tension yeah. when I when I talk <laughs> about this, right? Because um, there are there are natural pros and cons of a Christian school community. Um, I even think when I think about Acts two forty two and the following verses about how that the disciples or the, the believers were together every day, breaking bread together um, and dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching. I think, okay, well, kids have Bible class every day. We do chapel once a week. We go to they, the cafeteria. We go to the cafeteria. <laughs> we break bread every day. We're in intentional community. It it's Typically, Christian schools are much smaller than public schools, and so it's the type of community when where there's family. Yeah. When there's beef, it has to be sorted out. Right. Like that, mm. that people have to deal with things. The um, sell everything part. Like that's, that's counterintuitive. Right. Absolutely. Especially considering the, the clientele of most Christian schools yeah. are among the upper middle to yeah. upper class. Yeah. And so, um, that gets difficult selling that's all your stuff. Too, isn't it? Yeah. That's awkward. Um, but like either way it's mm. creating this, this environment that in some ways looks a lot like, the early church, right? Yeah, let me. Something that just comes into my mind uh, as we're having this discussion is authority. Mm. Um, so, at a school, um, you and I are under the authority of our boss. Right. Um, the students are under the authority of, of the principal and the mm-hmm. the, the superintendent, uh, the the rules and precepts of of the school. And so maybe that's maybe that's where some of the tension is too. Yeah. Uh, like you know, our students. You know, they're not under our spiritual authority necessarily, like, unless they kind of put themselves there, and which is cool. We have those relationships. But, you know, the incentive more so has to do with whether or not they're going to get a, a grade that their parents are happy with. Right. And so maybe authority, that maybe that's part, yeah. of, part of the difference between us and a, a local traditional church. Yeah, absolutely. And, and depending on how you frame it, right, it's either authority or you could call it accountability, right? Sure. That, yeah, authority, yeah. I mean, I'm a... I'm a black sheep, so even just saying authority, I, I kind of got little tingles. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, if you if if students are held responsible for reading scripture and it affects their grade, now naturally, um, we want people to do things for right motives. But um, there, you can't deny the fact that because there is some sort of accountability built into it, um, students for some reason take it more seriously. At least, yeah. at least the academic cognitive side of understanding God and, right. and what is what they're supposed to do in this life. Right. right. And I think that's one of the tensions. Maybe that, well, man, what an interesting conversation. Because that's one of the tensions we talk about a lot too is so if we're, if we're teaching orthodoxy, right, mm-hmm. which, you know, I hope the church is as well. <laughs> right. Um, maybe one of the areas that we, we do lack is orthopraxy, like, like actually teaching kind of Christian living. But then right. even that, like we do have service days and mission trips, and we invite kids to be a part of our lives so they can watch and see kind of how we live it out. But you know, maybe, maybe there's another area where the the local church does better? Question maybe. mark. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. I um, last year we had a series of conversations with some students um, about baptism um, because a lot of students um, come to faith in the Christian school context, not through a local church. They or I guess whatever, whatever that means, right? Is the Christian? Oh yeah. School, By the, the way, you're not church? off the hook. You have not defined church yes. for us yet. Um, <laughs> but it and uh, 
when they express this desire um, to be baptized, there's this question, right? That's what the churches do. But then if we're, if we're playing with this definition of church, if the church is the, yeah. the local gathering body of Christ that, that breaks bread together, that does theology together, that does spiritual formation together, then that tries is... to build the kingdom, then for a lot of kids, if we're using a working definition for church, then this kind did of you, is their church. Did you just define church for us? Kind of. Yeah. Um, In a, and well, and one, one other thing yeah. too is that um, the the school that we're part of isn't necessarily denominationally aligned. Which is a right? whole nother kind of like, um, you know, Pandora's box of, of issues that we run right. into often, which yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll address here shortly. Yeah, because some of the kids come from um, a Syrian Orthodox background, and some yeah. of the kids come from a good old, old-fashioned Baptist, and some come from the Nazarene traditions. Our, our school technically is in the Wesleyan tradition, but if we're just sampling the population of our school, they're across the board, including um, atheists and yeah. beyond, right? And yeah. so to to have a conversation about how one does baptism. Baptism, this idea of that that, <laughs> di- right. that divides denominations depending on whether you sprinkle or you dunk or you dunk three times or one time. What do you say can, while you're dunking? Can someone do it who's not ordained? Exactly. Yeah. I actually performed a baptism in Guatemala about a decade ago, and one of my students with me, um, she was Lutheran, and said that she couldn't even participate. She couldn't even be there because I wasn't ordained in her church. And, you know, we respected that. But, yeah, what, a, what an interesting idea. Right. You know, it, it does it does divide. How sad. And so as Christian school teachers, we find ourselves in, especially Bible yeah, teachers, kind of we find ourselves rope. in a, and not even a tightrope, but sometimes between a rock and a hard place, right? That there's mm. no, there isn't a right answer because on one hand. Is that why we like saying I don't know sometimes? Is maybe, it more out of safety? Maybe. Self-preservation? Probably. I, I think mm. that like when I'm thinking about a student who wants to get baptized, if I say, no, get plugged into a local <sighs> church. I'm saying don't get baptized yeah. until you go to a place where you don't feel comfortable and don't know anyone and ask some guy that you don't know to dunk you in water. Because that's what you're... Chris, I, when you were talking about that conversation we had last year with those students, if I recall, I think I, I, think I might have offended or hurt a few students because I think one of my first things was, why would you not want to do it at your church? Right. And yeah, um, I, was, I was unintentionally kind of a jerk. Right, and, and and so when so when we do uh, when we say that so we're we're we. preventing baptism, right? We're preventing someone from de- woe to de- us, de- yeah, woe to us. Uh, <laughs> we're preventing them from declaring their faith in public. Yeah. But then on the flip side, if we baptize a student as a a Bible teacher, as a as an administrator, mentor, then yeah. then are we subverting the the work of surrounding local churches, right? If if that is yeah, something yeah. within their authority and i don't know who how how we say who has that authority who doesn't have that authority yeah i mean every denomination is going to define how they have that authority differently so so, yeah i had i had a friend uh, one of my friends kyle um i I called him picking his brain about this and um he used the word ecclesiology um (laughs) uh, which might have been the first time i had interacted with that word but but he was saying Christians have such a poor ecclesiology, and that's why you have to have this conversation, yeah, right? Understanding of the church, yeah. yeah. And and I think this conversation sort of, sort of reveals that because, yeah, I'm I'm even like honestly like as we're sitting here thinking like, huh, yeah. I, I don't know if I, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if I know how I feel about all of it. Right. To, is, to be honest, right? Is so it, is so it, those of you that are listening, welcome, welcome to tensions <laughs> in yeah. our brains where we uh, we just kind of verbally process with you because. There's some weird stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and so defining church, it, 
I, I don't want to say it too cynically, but a, a church is not a 501c3 nonprofit that's organization. That's not cynical. That's, that's just fact. Yeah. 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 We and appreciate so, that. And so when we say local churches, I think that usually what people mean is it's a building with a, a sign building. and a pastor and an, an and a board of directors or mm. deacons or trustees or the session or whatever your denomination calls it. Um, so it really leaves us, those of us in Christian school, in this interesting position where we want the gospel to propagate. Um, we want the gospel to continue to to spread, and we want it to implant in the hearts of students. And we want them to participate in these things that are ordinances of the church, right? Whether it's baptism or communion, Um but then we, we sort of get into these tricky spots where people people who are surrounding might get upset. Yeah. When, so yeah, I, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> there, there, I wonder, too, you know, I'm, I'm pretty idealistic, and, and I'd like to think kind of simple-minded. Um, when I think about church, I'd love to think that we're all the same. We just choose different kind of almost like political structure, just how we're going to govern. Hmm. Um, and, and like, I know, like, so you, you mentioned how I grew up Presbyterian. So I grew up in a reformed church community. My, my dad was absolutely Arminianist, um, but liked, he liked the structure of the Presbyterian mm. church. You mentioned yeah. session. Uh-huh. So he liked the structure of the Presbyterian church. Um, and so I kind of grew up thinking like, oh, okay, we all have generally the same beliefs. We just, we just structure it differently. Right. Um, I wish it was that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm in a similar situation. <laughs> right, the the right. current church that I'm a I'm also a youth director. Um, Look at, at you at a local church, kind of local. It's a 40 minute drive from here, so not super local. Um, but I, I found myself um, as a youth director at a at an Arabic church, um, and the church is part of a fairly progressive denomination. Um, but our church is conservative, yeah. but because there's this good relationship with the organization and the structure that we continue to be part of this denomination, not because we affirm all the doctrines of this church. So I can totally resonate with, okay, that there's this governance idea, but even still, like if we, if we're just looking at on the, the cellular level of each congregation, Mm. um, they all have their own DNA. They all have their own anatomy. Um, they all have their own system of governance and, and beliefs. Yeah. Um, but then, so the question is, does, does such, is, if they're all cells of this larger organism that is the church, is our Christian schools a cell? Or our Christian schools supplements? We're, we're going to become our, my initial, I mean, I, I hope both of us would say, well, maybe even that. I, I think initially we probably would both go to, like, supplement. Right. Um, but are we, are we our own denomination? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me let me ask you. So we're we're kind of talking lofty, big big things. Yeah. What 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 are some things that we that you see in the classroom? Mm. Where do you see some of these tensions play out? Um, you know, I'm hoping some of the the people listening who you know hopefully want to join in the conversation with us, or um, this, this is a way to empower them, or at least you know we learn from our mistakes how right. you navigate these things. So where where is where do you see the tension coming into your your Bible classroom? Mm. In, well, in my Bible classroom. Um, uh, where I notice the tension is when we talk about anything that is controversial within Christianity. The things that are controversial within Christianity, I find that um, instead of taking a hard line and saying that this is the way that you need to think about it, which is not my tendency ever, right? Um, 
You're but, good at it, though, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. I, I can't keep my mouth shut sometimes. <laughs> like, here's the two ways, but let me tell you the smart way, right? right? <laughs> yeah. And so what I'll usually say is if you're from a Reformed tradition, this is the way that you would typically look at it. If you're from a Wesleyan tradition, you'd look at it like this. Or if you're uh, from a Catholic church, this is what they would say. And then I would say, look at these scriptures, and here's their arguments, and then we'd have a discussion about it. Okay, so two questions. One, can you give us a couple examples of maybe some of those topics? And I, I think this even kind of... Um, goes into what we talked about uh, on our last uh, right. our last session where um, you know there, there's church doctrine there's there's things we've just for thousands of years have believed and then there's these these other areas that are kind of open for to interpretation um, and I know I know that a general concern is that you know when people make doctrine out of some of those areas where there's tension that kind of freaks us out a little bit yeah. but what are some of those topics and then I got a follow-up question for you. So what are some okay. of those topics that you're talking about? Then? Well, so even the, what we just previously brought up, baptism. Yeah. I think that that is Huge. one of those topics. Yeah. Um, is it something that you do when you are a baby? Or yeah. is it something that you do when you're an adult who already believes in Jesus? Can you do it twice? Yeah. If you're baptized twice, are you saying that your first one wasn't good? Or are you uh, slandering or saying something bad about the ordinance of baptism mm-hmm. by doing it twice? Like yeah. Mr. It Seals, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to pick when I was three weeks old. Right. So I want to do it for my, yeah. And so even, even in the church that I'm, I'm a part of there, sometimes there's adults that get baptized. Sometimes there's babies that get baptized and there's, there's this question, okay, what's going on there? Is it, Mm. is it a means of grace? Is God's grace actually being imparted because of this act? Or is it a, an ordinance that it's a sign that grace has been received through some other sort of act? And and the, the tension there obviously is how careful we have to be when we talk about that. Right. Because if somebody holds it to be, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, more sacred. Right. I, I don't want to imply that somehow baptism isn't sacred, but if somebody holds to a higher kind of view of it, um, potentially the way that we discuss that then, because we are not a local denominational right. outlet. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and by, right? no mean, by no means are we trying to be relativists that say there is no right answer, right? Right, it's, no, right. And what, I, think, I think that's what a good, sorry, I should interrupt, but I think that's what a good teacher does is say, right. well, here, here, here are the views out there. Um, right. You know, when, when we talk about the resurrection, you know, we're probably not going to say here are the views on, uh-huh. on how you can, like, no, he either did or he didn't, right? right? Yeah. But when it comes to something like baptism, like, okay, here, here's, and, and, you know, if we can plug that back into church history and show them the timeline and mm-hmm. maybe where some of the newer thoughts came in, I think mm-hmm. those are interesting too. But yeah. yeah, we do have to walk in that area. We are either walking the fine line or between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. Right. And even, well, even the word history sort of like trips my brain on something that I was thinking about as we were preparing for this is... Um, the fact that when it comes to Christian school, um, not like on the grand scale of, of church history, but on individual, um, on individual history, on walking with Christ, Christian schools are by necessity temporary communities. Right. Um, that if, if, it's, if we're talking the high school level, the, a high schooler's community of faith will last no longer than f- four years. It's yeah. community, it's church with an expiration date. Um, so oh. when, we, when I think about that, that's, that is one thing that, like, that gives me pause about saying that the, the school is the church because by necessity, if we've done our jobs properly, students aren't staying here for more than four years. Do, can we say like we're a part of the church but not the church? Or is that, is that just is that a logical fallacy? <laughs> we, we are the Golgi bodies or, or right? the lysomes or whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. Huh. I don't know, maybe, yeah. um, but but because we're temporary, then if if it's supposed to be, if the image is that we are charging the gates of hell together mm-hmm. as the as the body of Christ, then 
if we only charge for four years, um, that that does give me a little bit of hesitation uh, as far as okay, well, what happens after this? But but even that, just because those are gone in four years, we still have like so we always have fresh troops, <laughs> right? <that's laughs> right, true. and so yeah, we're we're kind of like a turnstile. Yeah, turnstile. Is that what yeah. those are called? Sure. Okay. So okay, back to my question. So um, with the some of the issues like that come up in in, in class. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you do present the two or three different options, mm-hmm. so then a student says, "Well, Mr. Seals, <laughs> what do you believe?" Yeah, what do you believe, Mr. And how, Seals? How do you how do you navigate that one? Oftentimes, um, this is where I need strength. <laughs> <laughs> well, in many times, if it is not essential, um, if it is not one of the essential essentials of the Christian faith, then I will say I will give them some sort of short spiel to the extent of. If I tell you what Mr. Seals thinks, um, then you might believe it for the sake of believing what Mr. Seals thinks. Do you talk in the third person like that? Sometimes, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's very yeah. royal. Um, but I'll, I'll say you'll believe it for that case, not because you're convinced that it's actually true. Um, and I would rather you make a decision based on what, um, based on the evidence that you're able to weigh, weigh out and say, yeah. this is actually true and I, I believe it. Now, there yeah. there are some... If, if a student's like, I don't know what I think about the Trinity, um, if that's the conversation, then I will probably say, no, 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 no. The, the Trinity is as we have affirmed in the Athanasian Creed, and you've uh, remembered it and all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if it's something, um, man, uh, something that teenagers just are perennially obsessed with is the end times, yeah, I was just right? going to say, there it is. What's it going to look like? I mean, is um, is this world figure uh, the Antichrist? Oh, did you hear about the new thing that's in the credit cards and <laughs> right. why that's going to be the mark of the beast? Right. Um, and when we get these sorts of questions, um, we there are different interpretations of this, and there have been different interpretations of this for a really long time. And so I think, especially in America, America has been sort of, sort of entrenched with Pre-millennial dispensationalist eschatology, which we can un- Ooh, so smart. <laughs> we, we can we can unpack that term some other time when we deal with this. But like, so to to pose another view, like an amillennial view or a post-millennial view, these are views that the churches have held, um, and I don't think it's a salvation issue if you think right. that um, it's a literal thousand years or not when we're interpreting apocalyptic literature. Right. That was, um, I think I, I mentioned that in our last podcast, but we just, with my ninth graders, so like 14 year olds right? who, yes, they are, that, that stuff is thick in their brains. Yeah. Uh, we had that discussion and, um, I, I did share, you know, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little more kind of open and transparent, which is probably why I, I get emails more than you do. <laughs> um, but I, I did present. You know, here, here are here are three different ways of looking at the Book of Revelation. Um, here is the genre, and here is why I personally, you know, along with with scholars, not just Randolph, um, kind of lean towards this this way. And um, yeah, I, I was quick. But what I also told them was, please don't hear that as because I'm a I kind of take the you know partial preterist view. Mm-hmm. Um, does not mean that if you are a you know, a futurist or whatever that may be, the way you take it, a dispensationalist, um, the ending is still the same. Right. Right. And, and so that was like, well, fun. I mean, I, I'm, I'm yeah. cool. I guess LaHaye could be right. Right. And um, I just don't think he is, but I don't know if he, God's pretty big. Yeah. And I think, and I think <laughs> that when, when we, when I do share my opinion about something, um, there are times when I will, um, even if it's not an essential, I will always then reinforce the essential element. Right. So if we're using the end times as an example, then I would say, 
Um, maybe I believe in X, Y, or Z, but Jesus is coming back to Period. judge the living and the dead. Period. And we all agree on that. And so let's make sure that we take Jesus' advice and be ready for yeah. his return. That sounds, sounds pretty wise. Yeah. And then the rest of it should be like fun to wrestle with. Right. It, it's playground, right? But, but back to the beginning of our our podcast right. is oftentimes then it becomes a thing that divides and then we're competing and right. consuming and who has the best story. And right. It, it's, it's my youth pastor said this, what do you say? Right. Oh, and I get that. I get that one a lot. Sometimes they're crafty and they don't, they don't explicitly mom and pop us, but they, oh, they, they will say, um, but sometimes they'll be, try to sneaky, try to be sneaky and say, well, um, I've heard this. What do you think about <laughs> this interpretation of this verse? Yeah. Um, and then um, what I, I usually, we talked about this before, try to get to the question behind the question. Right. Right. Um, but it still leaves us in this interesting place in our relationship with the church. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if we are saying there, maybe that might even be threatening to some churches. Right. If we are saying there are other ways to view it than right. the way that your church teaches and affirms. Um, and when I say church, I mean <laughs> the way that, like the place your that denomination, you go, on, yeah, right? your, your denomination, the place you go on Wednesdays and Sundays. I, th- I think one of the things that we can do as as educators, uh, and it's something that you just said that you do, uh, but when kids do ask that question and to help them unpack their question, but then get back in the text, mm-hmm. I can't imagine any youth pastor would get mad at us right. for helping the kids get into the text and equip them to discover it on their own. Yeah, um, and so I, th- I think that that's, you know, I, I think that's a, there's a little bit of kind of nugget what we can do well with the church right is is help equip these students to get into the word um mm-hmm. and then recognize uh again we we keep flirting with that authority word but right. you know rec- recognize the the culture of the, den- the denomination that they're in right and and make sure that they're listening there too yeah um and, and yeah. if any if any in any of this i'm sounding uncharitable to churches is because I am I'm wrestling with this. It's yeah. something that I, I'm not sure exactly what to do with it. And I don't want to say that Christian school is the ideal and churches need to be more like us because I also know that, man, even just thinking about high school in general, it's this weird social experiment where we get people uh, in a five-year age range yeah. and we tell them you need to be around each other all the time in ratios of 25 to 1 with an adult. <laughs> Um, and, and, and do, and do things that maybe your brains actually aren't capable of doing. Right. Yet. And so, I mean, I, I can, I can grant that it, it's kind of like when we go on a camp or a retreat, there's, there's a high, um, and we feel all sorts of things and we say all sorts of things because it's in sort of an artificial environment, right? Yeah. It's an environment that isn't what normal life looks like. And I think that maybe that's what our, our local churches surrounding sort of bring to the table is that. There's 80-year-old people and there's 30-year-old moms yeah. and there's yeah. teenagers and there's little kids that are still picking their noses all in in the same place. Yeah. And I think having that diversity is really like this the idea of a multi-generational church is really important and that's something that Christian schools can't offer because not only are we by definition temporary but we're also by definition monogenerational. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think that I don't know if we're just a, a different type, like we're a plant cell in in their animal cells, or or if we are just supplements like to the church. But there there are characteristic differences that make it so that Christian school falls short in some ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let, me, let me ask you a question. So since we we don't have a denominational affiliation here, but we have a tradition, um, do you think it would be easier if we were attached to a church in some ways? 
I think it would be easier um, only for the students that then attend that church. Because we, we would have st- continuity in the classroom as opposed right. to the spectrum that we currently have. Exactly. And and we um, we actually are on a church property and we have a good relationship with the church, but um, only a fraction of our students actually go to this church. And yeah. um, we're in a, a strange city that has like four or five ginormous mega churches nearby. And yeah. so the kids are kind of divided up among these these huge other churches. Um and, and so I think it would might solve some things, like especially on the logistical side, just yeah. for planning purposes and integration. But I think the the issue of what is the church would still be would would still surface because we it, we'd have to acknowledge that there are other organizations out there yeah. that exist. I think I've come to a conclusion in our in our discussion. Okay, go. I, I think I've come to a conclusion. Right. Um, I'm really excited that we work in a place where there are so many traditions represented Hmm. um, and that we have an opportunity. I don't know if we always do it the best, Mm -hmm. um, but we have an opportunity to model for our students what it looks like to wrestle um, with the non-essentials, what it looks like to to lovingly communicate um, and and navigate discussions that, again, have tension. Um, Yeah. Yeah. For for all its shortcomings, yeah. Um, what a, what a neat thing! I think what I would like, um, I would like to have this conversation. I don't know if this is a conversation that even happens that much. I was talking with one of our other teachers, and he was like, "Man, I never even thought about that before." Yeah. Um, just kind of what what the role is and where the tension is, um, because we see from church history, we see that unity was such a factor. Right. It was such an important factor. Um, and I think we're very aware that we're not um, extremely united right now as a church. Um, I don't know. What's the last statistic? Do you know how many denominations in the U.S.? Uh, I've heard over 10,000, but I've never substantiated that. Is that 20,000. Is that possible? But we're like, just are, guessing. Are, those, right? are there that many strange nuances that we need another denomination? Yeah, there has to be. Um, but so, so if, I, if I'm looking to church history and seeing the unification, I mean, you look at Jesus, Father, may they be one. Um, mm. There's all this idea... Um, I hope that as as a school, as Christian educators, that we can we can figure out how we can be more united. And so I, I don't I don't necessarily know what that looks like, but I yeah. I hope that these conversations can happen with the with the local church. Um, Seems like this is a conversation that probably needs to be had. Right. And whose I, role is who? And I think that's an, even another one too. Is like parents, parents, right? Sometimes they just drop their kids off here and like well, you you church them. Right. We don't go to church, so you teach them a little bit about Jesus. Right. You know, have a little morality. Um, and that, you know that's a whole other yeah baggage. Well, and I think unity can be easy if we know if we all know the essentials, right? right. And and when I say the essentials, like this time, I mean sort of not you have to believe X, Y, and Z. But why are we even here? Right. Um, why do we even what exist? Are the key elements. Yeah. yeah. And and if we get back to even even our our first thing that we we recorded about the idea of shalom yeah. um or if we take Jesus's words of what shalom looks like is it's this thing he calls the kingdom of god yeah. and i think that if we can all get on board with how do we build the kingdom of god um then even the language of competition becomes irrelevant right it'd be yeah. like the the navy and the army um competing against each other um, instead of against whoever they're trying to drop bombs on. You know, for two pacifists, we I think every episode we've made some sort of war metaphor. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's it's just repressed. So do you do you think as we kind of wind down? Do you, do you think do you think that then maybe that that's the topic that needs to be um, reassessed? Maybe and so this is a bold one, but like Church in America. Like, do we do we just kind of need to? 
kind of get our, our kingdom, yeah, become more kingdom focused, um, keep that at the forefront of our minds. Like, yeah, I, I do think that, and I think that we we have a long way to go to under for the church in America to understand the message of Jesus, right? Because I think for um, I even remember when I was in college, the word using the word kingdom of God was considered emergent and postmodern, right. which I'm like, I'm pretty sure Jesus used that word quite a bit. Constantly. Um, but it isn't every parable pretty much about right. the kingdom? <laughs> but And I think it's because it had a lot of baggage yeah. with it. Um, but I think the baggage were essentials that we abandoned somewhere along the way. Somewhere mm. along the way, we as churches, when we became these organizations instead of organisms, we became super concerned about making sure that we have the right numbers of people and the best way to get um, numbers and growth a lot of times is to make sure that you're selling a good product that gets lots of people in and free salvation for everybody is good Uh. but discipleship um that's a different ball game right discipleship scares people away but but heaven for eternity sounds delicious and even yeah it does uh, and I, I often go back to that, like the last two things Jesus said, right? Make disciples and, right. and, and be filled with my spirit so you can continue my work and even do greater things than I did. And right. we've, even that aspect, that last aspect, the Holy Spirit, we've left it to, you know, a yeah. handful of denominations and right. we've allowed them to define what that means. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think, yeah, so kingdom, I, I think, I think you're onto something there, Chris. I think, I think if we have kingdom at the center of what we're trying to do, um, as organizations, as a church, as a school, then we don't have to compete over which mission trip you go to because it's we as Christian school teachers, we can say, oh my goodness, you're involved in a mission trip at your church. Praise God. Spread yeah. the kingdom of God yeah. in wherever you're going. And we will try to equip other people here to go on that mission trip for different purposes and different reasons. Or you're doing that sort of spiritual formation at your church. You're doing these types of prayers. Praise God. Continue to pursue that so the kingdom grows within you. Yeah. And then if churches could also do the same, like you're learning that at your school and instead of being threatened Right. Um, they taught say, you what? Yeah, say... That's from your class. Yeah, <laughs> that's my class. Yeah, sure. Um, th- then I think we might be able to build more of the kingdom yeah. here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Yeah, my um, the the pastor at, at the church community <laughs> yeah. that I go to, um, he said something beautiful the other day. We were about to do you know our, our offering, and he was just like, hey, if, if you're not... If you're not, a, you know, if you're new to our church, you know, and you, we hear the spiel, like we don't, we don't expect you to put some money in there, or, mm. or if you're just checking out, or this and that. And and one of the things he said that that struck me was like, I'm just glad you're here, and if you end up, you know, going to another church, or or you know, you awesome, praise God. Like it's not, it's not about us, you know, expanding our kingdom here, our church kingdom. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. So if you're plugged in somewhere else and they're teaching you truth, by all means, go for it. Um, and then he went as far as as in the middle of the of the service to pray for all the local churches and for mm. people to 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 show up, you know, to participate. And um, what a great model! Right. You know, what a great model! Um, and I, yeah, I think we need to do more of that. Sometimes I'm hesitant to use the word efficiency, but maybe that that is if we are able. Where are you best able to spread the kingdom of God? Mm. How are you best able to spread the kingdom of God and use those diverse giftings that you have? Um, because if you can discover that, then do that wherever you can. Did you just define church? Maybe. Use those giftings, be connected to a group of people who also want to use their giftings, um, and be committed to it. Yeah. So let's continue this conversation. We're, we're probably going to have to revisit this a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but if you're in a church or if you're in a Christian school or if you're in neither, find a group of people 
that you can commit to and use those gifts to spread the kingdom of God. Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher is a collection of theological musings and real experiences through the eyes of two Christian school teachers. We do not profess to be professional theologians, but we want to provide a voice and resources for those of us working in the unique context of Christian schools. We hope you join the conversation.